Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. Grace and peace to you, my friends, and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Dean Weaver. I am the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, the EPC, and I am welcoming you to another edition of our podcast, In All Things, and the essentials, unity, and the non-essentials, liberty, but in all things, all things, charity and love. And we know that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for it. And because of that, we have this compelling desire to see all things come under the reign and lordship of Christ. And so we offer this podcast to you as an opportunity to learn about the EPC, to grow in knowledge and understanding of some of the ways in which the Office of the General Assembly, the World Outreach, Benefits Resources, all of the the things that make up the EPC are here to serve you and help uh, you bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ right where you live in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and of course all the way to the ends of the earth. Now speaking of the ends of the earth, today we have a very special guest which I'm very excited about introducing you to, our new Executive Director of World Outreach. His name is Gabriel Deguia. And Gabriel has been on the job now for about oh, maybe five months. And he is uh, he's new to the Office of the General Assembly, but not new to the EPC. Uh, but I'll let him introduce himself a little bit more and give you some of his credentials and background so that you can get to know him and Rachel and their family. But I will just tell you in the short period of time that we have been able to work together, he's been a real blessing to me and to those who work with him and have gotten to know him And I know he has already become a great blessing to the EPC, and that will only continue to grow with God's grace over the time and years that we get to spend together. So it's a great delight to welcome you to In All Things today. Gabriel, welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for that introduction. It's not quite five months. It's not quite four months, Uh, but you're accelerating my tenure already. But no, it's been a phenomenal. You, you, you seem older to me than you really are. <laughs> it's just so wise beyond your years that, you know, time escapes me. So I, I, I tend to elevate you in my estimation in terms of age and time. Oh, well, thanks, Dean. Sure, sure. Well, let's let's start at the, the beginning here, Gabriel. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about your family in particular. Really interested for you to introduce your wife and your kids to the EPC family. And you have had a chance to do a lot of that at General Assembly this last year, but hopefully we're reaching an even broader audience through this medium and just wanted you to have the opportunity to share with them how you've been incredibly blessed by your family. Yeah. So I'm the beneficiary of the work of a Presbyterian missionary who followed the call of God to travel to the Philippines and start a ministry in a small island. And in the midst of his outreach to youth, there were two teenagers who came to faith. And those two teenagers would get married and become the parents of my dad. And so there's just a grand history and richness in the 
global mission, the great commission that is connected to what motivates me, um, how God has called me, and it's not lost on me at all, just the, the richness of all that. I appreciate that. You, you are your legacy. Um, you are the grateful inheritor of this global outreach, and here you sit before us leading that for us. So that's a, a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness down through the generations, and here you stand looking back with a great appreciation of the heritage that you've received. That's awesome. It is a sweet, gracious gift from the Lord. My parents would come from the Philippines to the United States. I was born in Pittsburgh and then would grow up in Cincinnati. And I would go to Ohio State University, and that's where... The Ohio State University? Some would say. Yes, some would say. all right, just checking. And it was, it was there where, even though I had come to faith as a young boy... Uh, growing up in a rich, God-fearing, God-loving family at Ohio State University through the ministry of a, a college minister who uh, would really introduce me and invite me into a grander purpose. And I think somehow I missed that. I missed that having faith in Christ and being saved. I, I, I missed this part of a calling from God to actually, what, what are you supposed to do then? And the idea of reaching the world for Christ, the idea of living my life in such a way that others would come to know him. For, for some reason, it just wasn't clicking up until that point. Even though you and I didn't know each other until maybe six or seven months ago, that is actually one of those things we have in common. We were both formatively shaped by campus ministry. That's a significant thing. We'll maybe want to come back to that at some point, if not today, maybe a future podcast to talk about the importance mm. of campus ministry in terms of how it shapes our life with Christ. It has for me, and I know it has for you. And in, in fact, it impacted your career and what you ended up going forward and doing. Oh, completely. So I got involved with, with Campus Crusade for Christ, now crew. It all started with a Bible study. Uh, one Tom Rohde, who would invite me into that space and began to disciple me and uh, did that for four years while I was there. I would go on different summer mission trips and it, I was captured very quickly that this was, a, this was what I was looking for. I had come to a conclusion after graduating from high school that life was really meaningless, that there wasn't, there wasn't much to life other than performing for other people. To me, it was really empty. You, know, it, you just move from stage to stage performing for other people and then you die. And I thought, there's got to be more than that, but I'm not seeing it. And so the, the avenue of campus ministry through Crew, through Tom, and through the other staff and students who were shaping the way I was understanding the purpose of life, man, it was, I was locked in from that point forward as a freshman. And one of the great things about Crew, it's just in the DNA of the organization from its founding. And for those who don't know, kind of the originator of Crew in many respects is Bill Bright, who is a member uh, of First Presbyterian Church downtown Orlando. So he's actually an EPC guy. Um, so we're grateful. It wasn't maybe EPC at that time, but you know what I mean. Um, right. So we're grateful for that legacy and, and heritage. But one of the great legacies of Crew in terms of just having wired into its DNA is this primary nature of evangelism. The, the follower of Jesus who's received this good news has got to share this good news with others. And that's in the primary DNA of the EPC too. It's actually the first word of our name, right? We're the evangelical Presbyterian church. And by that, we don't mean evangelical the way some have come to take it in terms of politically or socially or culturally, but biblically. 
evangel good news. We, we've got good news. <laughs> we share that good news. And that's at the heart of crew. It's at the heart of the EPC. And one of the things I love about you is that you bring that passion for evangelism to your new role uh, in EPC World Outreach. All that's so true. I'm grateful for just all that connection. You know, Dean, that God uses everything, you know, especially when you look back at your life. Would you say he uses all things? Uh, I think I would say. All right. Very good. So you can't see it at the time, but as you progress forward and then you look back, you can see all the dots being connected, even though it made no sense in some of those cases. What in the world is happening? What is God doing? You look back and you see exactly how it begins to fit together or already has fit together. It's this great gift. So in my case, uh, after I graduated, decided the best next step was to serve the Lord coming on on staff, vocational full-time staff with, with crew, and had an opportunity to go to Indiana University, serve on the campus there for seven years, and then got an interesting, surprising call to move here to Orlando and be the, one of the road managers for our president at the time, Steve Douglas, who succeeded Bill Bright. And So you started your ministry as a roadie. That's right. <laughs> That's I had, right. hadn't quite thought about it in those terms before, but you know. Very, very similar. Yeah. So traveling around with him and, and seeing what God was doing around the world, not just in the ministry of crew, but other fantastic ministries, big and small, what really broadened my understanding of what, was, what God was doing globally and his heart for the nations. From there, you know, I had a variety of different opportunities within crew after that. I was a writer in our communication department, in our print publication, and also online. And then um, was recruited to join the Jesus Film Project and uh, had been doing that for the last 12 years, uh, working in fund development, which again, you know, for the last 12 years been steeped in this focus of reaching unreached peoples and giving everyone at least one chance to see and understand the words of Jesus, the person of Jesus in their own language. And that's one of the things that really was a tie that connected you to EPC World Outreach, this focus on unreached peoples. Exactly. And, and I personally have seen firsthand the benefit of the Jesus film uh, as it was played in some of the villages of Sierra Leone, where I have been, uh, where people are able to sit down, some of them never having seen a movie before, let alone watching this Middle Eastern man speak in their own tribal tongue tell the story of the life of Jesus and, and just watch them be riveted to the screen and realize there's, this is so much more than what they ever could have imagined. And you watch lives change. And it's, it maybe is one of the most significant things for, for the gospel in the last generation, at least. And you were had a front row seat in that, which is so cool. You know, it has been. To, and I think one of the marquee aspects of Jesus Film is the, the number of different mission agencies that the Jesus Film works with. Being able to see that, from that perspective, I think it's somewhere around 1,800 partners these days of different churches, denominations, and sending agencies that utilize the Jesus film or, or tools or skills you know, in the trading off in those partnerships to reach more people for Christ and advance the mission that God's put them on. It was just really cool to see that collaboration and that the connectedness. And that was, uh, I served, full disclaimer here, I was on the committee that, that helped hire uh, Gabriel and one member of the committee, only one member, but um, that was one of the things that really caught our attention about you was your heart for collaboration, which we obviously think is very important. And this idea of partner, the EPC has global partners, but we understand the importance of being able to do that well 
and you've had that experience, you bring that experience with you to the new job. But speaking of partners, let's back up the tape a little bit. There's another evangel here, another good news is God has brought you this incredible partner for life, and together you've made this family. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about your family. So I met Rachel, uh, my wife, let's see, in 2004. It was one of these scenarios, Dean, where for quite some time, probably 10 years prior to meeting her, I was committed to the mission that God had called me on. I wasn't really focused on getting married, although I had made this agreement with the Lord that, hey, if, if you have that in my future, or if you have that, whenever that is going to be, that you'll just make it incredibly obvious. And so on this particular night where I met my wife, it was a really nice evening. It was actually a, a birthday party for her sister. And uh, we just met, had this brief conversation. I thought, well, it was really nice. And then, um, you know, the rest of the party went on and then parted ways. And, and I thought, you know, and, and she didn't have, she didn't have a cell phone at the time. And I, I just thought, wow, you know, she was really nice. I, I probably should have tried to get her contact information or something. But I remember driving home, just shooting up this really quick prayer saying, Lord, you know, if you would arrange it for us to meet again, that'd be really nice. And God laughed. And God laughed. So we would then run into each other unplanned 12 times in the next three weeks. And we lived completely on the other side, mm. you know, either side of the town in Orlando, probably about 40 minutes apart. So this is how you came to believe in Providence and <laughs> yeah, become a Presbyterian. Well, that, that that adds to it. So the so we would meet over and over again, unplanned, in some just random places, whether it was Panera across town for me or... One time we were at the same movie theater seeing different movies and our movies exited at the same time, you know, in this particular case. When, when does a movie theater force people out to exit the, to the parking lot? Like hardly ever. And in this particular case, our adjacent theaters emptied and we ran into each other. It was so strange. And so then she and her friends and my friends, we got together for pizza and whatnot. But anyway, we will be celebrating our 14th anniversary come this December. We, you, you made mention of First Presbyterian Church. That's where we got married, and that's where our, our three boys were baptized, and uh, they're all young, celebrating. Uh, we have one just celebrating their, you know, his uh, ninth birthday, and uh, we have an 11-year-old, 9-year-old, and then a 4-year-old. All guys, all boys, and they're an incredible delight. So. so pray for Rachel. There's a lot of testosterone in the house. Indeed. All right. So uh, first Prez, Orlando, EPC, background experience at Crew, and and the Lord has brought you now into the the kind of hub of the EPC world, which is this office where you serve as now our executive director for World Outreach. First of all, tell us a little bit about, is there anything that has surprised you since you have been in this role? Is there anything that has um, encouraged you? Uh, since you've been in this role, and anything that's challenged you that's been in this role. So let's start with the surprise. Was there anything, I mean, I know you thought I was going to be a lot taller and better looking when, when you first heard about me, but beside that, is there any other surprises in terms of your coming in-house to the EPC and now this role of Executive Director and World Outreach? You know, the when I think of surprise, I th- really we started at General Assembly, in Memphis at Second Pres just this past June, stepping into worship blew Rachel and me away. And we were not expecting that robust, spirit-filled, united worship. And certainly, like, the music was 
phenomenal. And the directorship and the excellence of the music. It was a foretaste of the kingdom, right? It was incredible. And that certainly sets the tone. And so just everyone gathered in that space, just singing robustly, passionately, turning around and seeing people, you know, just so intently focused in that time. It was so rich and that that really surprised me and it surprised us that, that here we are, General Assembly, this is the annual gathering of the leadership of the denomination. And to see that was uh, an amazing, it really was. I don't think I'm speaking too super, superlatively. It, it, it was really amazing. So uh, that's surprising, but it also was encouraging. Is there anything else as you stepped into the role that has really encouraged you um, that, yeah, you're right where God wanted you to be. You're actually, you've responded to his call and you've seen God go ahead of you in this and you've just found such encouragement from that. I would say that when you're going through, at least when I was going through this interview process and getting a kind of surface connection to you, to the rest of the committee and being introduced to folks, and then even after agreeing and stepping in, everyone's got their their game face on and everyone's maybe not like football Saturday game face on, but the welcome, nice, happy face on. And I think what's encouraged me is that it's been genuine. You know, that, that wasn't for show. It wasn't for trying to put our best foot forward, even if that's the case. Everyone in this office has been who I experienced them in the, in the outset. And, and that has been a Christ-centered person and, and culture here. The, um, and that's been really encouraging. So I want the those who are listening to also know that um, I think it was Gabriel's second day in the office. I wasn't here but I got the notice uh, from my assistant who shared that Gabriel had been moving his way through the office and stopped in every office and for and prayed for every one of our staff people on that day. And that's a another big part of who you are. I mean, if there's two things that I have learned about you that really, um, I don't know, say they define you, but they're expressions that come out of your inner being because of Christ in you. One is evangelism, the sense of sharing the good news, but the other is prayer. And of course, those two are very closely related, but you you live those both. Uh, and that's one of the things you're pointing to the fact that the people here were who you thought they were and, and you are exactly who we hoped you were. And so mm. grateful for that. Okay, um, so what's been your challenge? I mean, obviously, you've spent a career uh, really at crew and certain culture, dynamics, focus. And now you're in this entirely new venture where you're actually the guy. You know, you got people looking at you going, okay, he's now the executive director of World Outreach. I think we have, I don't know, a lot of partners around the world. I don't know if you know what the number is. I don't, I, I don't know what the number is, but I know it's a lot. And you're in charge of all that and a whole denomination looking to you to, to help us steer the, the ship in the direction of the Great Commission. What, what's challenged you? I mean, what's the real challenge that you've been facing that I'm not saying that it has to be like crushing you and overwhelming you, but it, it's the thing that when you wake up prayerfully, you're, you're thinking, God, how can we tackle this thing together? Well, I mean, on the outset, I would say the challenge is, is, is learning, is learning the people, learning the organization, learning the, the culture. That's all a part of a process of being able to, to communicate well and understand how people will receive messaging and whatnot. So I think that's, that's the first challenge. Is, and that, what's great about that is that it's, it's a challenge that I like. You know, so. Well, you're a self-confessed data guy. <laughs> Could you unpack that phrase a little bit? When you say data guy, I want to learn first. You know, I'm kind of geared that way, and that's the way I, I lead, is really listening first. 
And so what I'm listening for is, is gathering the, the information that I think might be needed for decisions in the future. Without that, it's hard for me to, to make well-informed decisions. It, you know, I, I need that. I need to know where people are coming from. I need to know their contexts are. And, and so gathering that data is important to me. I actually think, Gabriel, that's a posture that all of us need to learn from from you and, and grow from you in that because we're in a time in our culture today where we, as Christians, I think we need to do a better job of listening and do a better job of learning as opposed to immediately blurting out the answers that you know, we think we know and think are sure we're right on. Um, that little dose of humility would go a long way in today's culture. Tell me a little bit more about this challenge of learning is the first thing, but I kind of heard you maybe thinking that there were some other challenges that you're leading into because I heard you say, well, the first thing is learning. Is there anything else beyond that? You know, our mission as a church is the, is the growth of God's kingdom. Our specific focus in world outreach is the, the global outreach part of that and reaching those who haven't had an opportunity to know who Jesus is, understand the gospel. You know, the, the landscape of global missions is, is complicated. We, we all, especially I think maybe in Americans, I don't, I don't know, but you know, we want simple and like kind of the magic bullet. And so um, one challenge is just because one solution works in one spot that oh, that's going to easily translate to this other area. And so in trying to navigate how to pursue this, especially in a denominational setting, in a church setting, which is much different from a parachurch setting, you know, where I spent the last 26 years in that context, that shift is challenging. Use Jesus Film as an example. We have the, we had, they have, the luxury of locking in on certain strategies and then just going with those things. And so product is fairly simple and the mode of engagement is again fairly simple we didn't have to get into all the details of what it might look like to plant a sustaining church our partners do that all that grander detail and care of growing the church is more complex yeah yeah, that's the word that came to me was complexity there's a lot more complexity to that but i want to also say that that's incredibly rich like I, i go back to um general assembly and our first experience there, as you have said, one of your favorite one of your favorite moments of GA is the commissioning of workers. Which being able to be a part of that commissioning and the laying on of hands of these mission workers felt to me so holy and right. And I had not really experienced that before. You had even said this to me uh, in the importance of the ecclesial nature of missions and making sure that it's all hand in glove. And um, to be in this seat and experience outreach in this fashion is, a, I would just simply say, it's a real gift. I feel like it, even in my own understanding of, of the Great Commission, you know, I was looking at it for so long from one vantage point, almost like a you, know, you have this multifaceted diamond. And um, for so long, for probably decades, I've been looking at that diamond at, and from the same angle. Even in my short time here, it's almost like the twisting of your wrist. If you're holding this giant diamond, you turn it around and all of a sudden it's reflecting differently and more you know, like in different angles and mm. you're seeing it more richly. I feel like I've caught a glimpse of that. That's beautiful. I think, uh, and I'm sure we'll be able to have more conversations uh, in the days to come as God continues to grow you uh, in his grace into this position and role. And we'll come back and revisit some of that rich complexity and go into some of those you know, whole podcast conversation around church planting internationally or a conversation around 
some of the different ministries that World Outreach does. But before we conclude today, could you just give us a quick flyby? Because I'm thinking there are a lot of people who might be listening today who, who really don't even know some of the basics about uh, World Outreach. Could you just give us a real quick flyby of what World Outreach does? How it's kind of, There's a number of different things that you guys kind of focus on and areas of ministry that are points of emphasis. And just, just give us a quick overview if you can, and then we'll close our time with how can we pray for you? So World Outreach, we're, we're about church planting and making the church accessible to areas of the world and people groups that have least access to the gospel. And so I-10, you know, that's a segment of World Outreach and part of the church planting cycle. So we talk about full cycle church planting, and a part of that cycle is the training up of pastoral leadership in these different areas of the world that we're operating in and making sure that that leadership is, is, is trained and uh, able to, to lead these new churches and, um, and have the skills to see those in a full cycle be, be replicating. And what about E2025? What's, what's the focus of that? Well, E2025 is, is a focus to really engage all the presbyteries within the EPC with a specific effort and reaching one of these people groups that have least access to the gospel. 2025 is, is a goal line of when all presbyteries would be engaged and committed to a specific people group. Our church planning leaders talk to us a lot about their mission is to um, every uh, congregation is a, a parent, patron, or partner. And there's a sense right. to which we're hoping every presbytery uh, will be a kind of a parent, patron, or partner, if you will, to an effort in one of those really challenging places around the world with a group of people that have really yet to receive the gospel in a way that has become replicating, you know, self-sustaining. And you have staff here in the U.S. that kind of support that as well. Is that right? I mean, people who come alongside of churches or come alongside of our, our global workers and support them. What are some of those kind of things? Yeah, that's true. You know, we have what we refer to as a U.S. team. Many of those people were, had served overseas for a significant period of time and, and now are located here in the States and mobilizing people who people and churches to be engaged in either learning scenarios about how do you reach your Muslim neighbor? Uh, how do you reach someone who has you know, maybe a different culture than you, a different country from you. And, and so there's a, there's opportunity for just last week, there was a, a group of people in here focused on the Next Gen Council. And one of our guys was attending that. He runs the college cohort and provides opportunities for college-age students, college-age people. Um, some of them are recent graduates. A chance to really explore, you know, this sensation of calling that God is pricking their heart with. I want to explore this this desire for mission, global mission in some area of the world. And, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience with that. I don't have a lot of friends who are doing that. And so, you know, we have this program, this college cohort that, that brings people together who are like-minded like that and then provides experiential training in that as well as on-the-field training. I know one of my former students is in one of those cohorts and finds it to be just a really rich uh, experience. Uh, other people who are exploring the same things that they are and being with people uh, from World Outreach who are kind of guiding them in that kind of process of discernment and God's calling. And I think that's one of the, one of the better things that we do. And there's a lot of great things that World Outreach does, but that, that one I think is, is really rich. You know, I do want to say too, I mean, I, I've been really impressed with the robust experience and skill sets of 
of the workers within World Outreach and then those who are based here in the U.S., there's a, a couple that spent time in Afghanistan who were fluent in Pashto and um, spent almost from the moment that Afghanistan fell, had an opportunity to be a translator in different settings where relocation efforts were taking place. And so helping as hundreds of Afghans get through this process. In that processing, there's an Afghan gentleman who is watching these two women, these two American women, helping and speaking fluently in his language. And he, had, he, had, he was watching that happen for a while. And he came over and just confused, asked her, how do you know my language? She said, oh, well, you know, my husband and I were, went to your country and to be a blessing and to help in any way we could. And he said, essentially, I can't believe this. You came all the way to my country to help my people. And now you're here helping my people. What? Why? Talk about a wide open door to talk about you know, the love of Jesus and the, that type of experience and the skills and, the, you know, not just from the language that particular workers worked on, Bible translation in that same language. And uh, recently that was just finished. Her work and her husband's work are just going to continue to reach, you know, people for Christ and, and expose people that have never had that opportunity. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to put on my stated clerk hat for a second and just say, I, I know the person of which you speak. And I, I know that that person would get up at like 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the morning to meet with their translation team, which was like all over the world. And the amount of dedication brought to that project of completing the Bible in, in that language for the Afghan people. And I just want to say that that's because people in the EPC financially support that 20% of the per member asking that is given to the denomination, 20% off the top, double tithe, goes right to World Outreach. And so people like this are, are blessed with the kind of support to enable them to do uh, the critical, essential work like that. So I just want to say a shout out to everybody who's contributed and is a part because that, that you're part of that story and making that difference. So, hey, we want to wrap up here, Gabriel, by just asking simply, how can we pray for you? As, as people are tuning in and getting to know you and becoming familiar more with World Outreach, I think maybe perhaps at the next podcast when we get together will be, how can World Outreach serve the local church? Like, how can we be a blessing? Uh, so they can be a blessing yeah. kind of thing. So that'll be, that'll be part two. That'll be a great part. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that one next, I promise. But let's close this time uh, with just how we can pray for you. We've gotten to know you. We've learned more about World Outreach. But how can those who are listening in today pray for you and EPC World Outreach? You know, this is a really simple one. It's simply that my wife and I, Rachel and I, would keep our first love in Jesus every day. Everything flows from that, that we're right with him, that he's more real to us than anything on earth. And we hear him clearly. We can see his the tracing of his finger, that our heart is moved by his spirit and um, that intimate relationship with him. That's the first thing on my mind. Okay. That's a good place to good place to end. It's ending at the beginning. Uh, that's a good good start. So thank you, Gabriel. Appreciate your time with us today. And I look forward to uh, people in the EPC getting to know you and your family better as you continue to serve the church in this way. So really appreciate it. Thanks, Dean. All right. So let's close out with this text uh, that reminds us, uh, takes us back to um, what it's really all about. Uh, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, thrones and powers and rulers and authorities, all things 
have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. So in Jesus' name, remember, in all things, Christ. Till the next time, amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.